Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. First Peter 5, 8. Be alert. Be alert. Um, the NLT New Living Translation says, says, um, says, watch out. Be alert and, and watch out. The, uh, the word for sober um, in the Greek is gregarious. It's a hard word to say. Uh, it's like gregorios. Um, it's spelled, it was funny, this is how I remembered it. It was spelled Greg and Oreos. Put those two words together, gregorios. And, and, it, and it means literally to keep watch. So Peter, who's writing this letter, 1 Peter, um, it, he says, he says, be alert and of sober mind. And um, the, the literal translation is really like saying, be alert, watch out. Uh, that's, the, that's the title for today's message is watch out. Um, I have a friend named Davis, and I didn't ask if I could tell this story, so I'm going to get uh, permission. I mean, I'm not going to get permission. I'm going to get forgiveness for it, but um, he, he's my roommate, and anytime somebody comes over and we're all hanging out, you know, sitting in the living room doing something, uh, I'll be like, Davis, we got to show him. We got to show him the video. And it was the video of him after he had a, a surgery, he had some like nasal surgery or something, and he was all doped up on the sleeping stuff they put him under and uh, for his surgery. And, you know, his mom was driving him home after the surgery, makes a video of him so everybody can laugh at him sort of thing. And he says, uh, he's, he looks at his mom in one part of the video um, and says, I'm under the, I'm under the influence and she goes, well that, well, that must be nice, right? <laughs> you know. And he goes, uh, he goes, no, I hate it. I gotta have a sober mind. <laughs> and that's how he said it too. I love you, Davis. And uh, that's what we think about when we when we read a verse like this. You know, be alert and don't drink beer. You know, be alert and don't smoke nothing. You gotta have a sober mind. Because of the devil, he's prowling, so you got to have a sober mind. And, and that's really not Paul, I mean, Peter's motive when he's writing this. He's really saying, he's like, uh, keep watch, keep watch um, over your mind. Have a sober mind. Keep, keep watch over your mind. This is why every week I talk about your thoughts. Because you got to keep watch, watch out. Watch out for your thoughts. And I'll, I'll say something along these lines almost every week is that we don't get to control every thought we have. I think terrible stuff, and you do too. You just don't tell anybody about it. And I don't tell anybody about mine. And so it's perfect because we don't get to control every thought we have, but we do get to control what thoughts we harbor which ones we keep close, which ones we live on, which ones we build on, which ones we rehearse. We don't get to control every thought we have, but we do control the thoughts we harbor. And so when Peter writes this, he's saying, watch out, keep watch over your thoughts because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. And I like to point out every time I talk about this passage, I've talked about it before, is it says he's like a roaring lion. 
a roaring lion. Ah! But, but it says he's like, he's like a lion. It doesn't say he is a lion. It's like a lion, but it's not. It's loud. Ah! I don't know what to, what to just excuse that. It's like, it's like a lion. It's loud, but it's not a lion. And that's the enemy's, the Bible even calls him the father of lies. So what he does is he comes and distorts the truth um, he, or he'll dilute the truth and he will make you believe or think something. Ah, here, um, there's a Bible story in um, where there's this prophet named Elijah and God comes and and speaks to him, but he doesn't come in the fire, he doesn't come in the storm, but he comes in a whisper. A lot of the times when you think God's speaking to you and it's really loud, ah, you gotta do this, do this, da, 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 da. a lot of times that's not God. It just, it's just loud. Um, other times there'll be little impressions and you'll be like, I think I'm supposed to do this. I'm speak I think I'm, I just feel like I'm supposed to do this. It's not loud, it's subtle, but it's repetitive. A lot of times that's God. And you can't always know, it's hard to tell, I get it. You know, I have that, that tension too. But it says he's like a lion. He's ah trying to get you to, just to believe so loud. He's trying to get, get you to believe things that aren't true and get you to chase things that won't actually satisfy. And so you've got this enemy and that's what he does that's his tactic. He's a, he's a loud, lying lion. But he's not even a lion. It just says he's like a lion. And um, so it's hard to know what thoughts come from God. I had this professor, um, and it was a business class. And she said, the, the number one rule of business is this. I don't know if this is actually the one, number one rule of business, but this is what she said. It, it depends on who you ask. So you'd be like, you know, oh, I got this business opportunity. Should I take it? You know, we can do this and we could do that and it'll cost this much, but we're going to reach this market and blah, 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 blah. Is it a good idea? Should we do it? Well, the answer is it depends on who you ask. Because one person might have one philosophy, but another person might have an, another. You know, uh, you know, oh, should we do this in church? You know, it's going to depend on who you ask. Because some people will be like, yeah, you know, do that. It's fine. It's cool. You know, you'll reach the people. And then other people are like, no, you got to keep, keep it holy. And, and, and so, so, so it, a lot of times it just depends on who you ask. I mean, relationship advice, man, is so hard to come by these days because everybody's got something different to say about your relationships. They'll be like, no, you got to do this. And you can't do this. And now you got to do this. And then blah, 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 blah. And then somebody else will say the exact opposite. They'll be like, no, if you want a healthy relationship, you got to do this. Um, oh, here's the worst, is diets. <laughs> Some people will be like, no, you can't eat bread. That's unhealthy. You got to eat bacon. You got to do the Atkins. No, you can't, eat, you can't eat bacon. It's got too much fat. You got to eat beans. Don't eat bacon, eat beans. 
And then somebody else will say, no, no, because uh, beans have lectin in it, and then your body can't absorb nutrients, so don't eat beans, eat bananas. And it's just like, what do I eat? What do I eat? What's healthy? What's not? It depends on who you ask. Depends on who you ask. And um, a lot of times we'll go through something in our life and we'll be like, was this a good thing or was this a bad thing? And the answer is, it depends on who you ask. Ah, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, let's go to Matthew 14, verse 22. This is really the main passage I'm preaching from today. I just wanted you to use First Peter as kind of a f- foundational structure, and we're going to build on that. Um, so let's start in verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. So Jesus, it says this, he made the disciples get in the boat. So why did the disciples get in the boat? Because Jesus made them get in the boat, okay? And he said, go ahead of him to the other side. And while he dismissed the crowd. So to bring you into context, this is Matthew 14. Feeding of the 5,000 uh, just happened. The, the, the disciples are like, whoa, this is crazy. And Jesus is like, okay, now get in the boat, Okay. And after he had dismissed the crowd, he didn't go into the boat. It says he went up on the mountainside to pray. So later that night, he was there alone. So Jesus goes to a mountain to pray, and the disciples are in the boat. Got it? We're all caught up? After that night, he dismissed him later that night. He was alone. Okay, verse 24 And the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the winds and the waves because the wind was against it. Buffeted. First time I preached this, I had to Google it. I wasn't sure what buffeted means. But it literally means beaten violently, shaken or battered or or just, you know, beat up. So uh, the NIV does an interesting job of making this sound like a quiet, nice evening boat ride. But it was not. It was crazy, buffeted, being battered, violently shaken, okay? So it was being buffeted by the wind and the waves. So the disciples are in the boat in this crazy storm. They're being buffeted, shaken violently. And they're in the boat. And they're in the storm. And Jesus is on the mountain. Jesus is on on the mountain. Um, have you ever been like going through something and wondered, hey, um, <laughs> hey God, it's me. You remember how you told me you made me get in the boat and then all of a sudden now I'm, I'm in, a, in a storm and and I just want to make sure we're, we're still on the same page here because I'm being obedient. I'm, I'm doing exactly what you told me to do. And uh, I'm being buffeted right now. So if you could really get back to me, that would be great. Because to the disciples, Jesus is on the land and they're in the lake. Jesus is chilling on the mountain, having coffee with the creator. And they're just in the lake. And they're struggling, and they're straining, and they're stressing, and they're in a storm, 
and Jesus is nowhere to be found. Um, but I want to read the same account, or the same story from Peter's account. Peter's in the boat, and he, he, he tells uh, John Mark, who wrote the book of Mark, most people believe that the book of Mark was written by Mark, but it was the account of Peter, because Peter, I mean, because Mark wasn't there. Mark wasn't one of the disciples. So ver, uh, Mark 6, verse 47, later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on land. So there in the lake, he's on the land. Verse 48, and he saw the disciples straining at the oars, and the wind was against them. This changes the perspective of the story. Because he's not just sitting on the, on the land praying to God, you know. He's not just up there worshiping, you know. Here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that I am God. No, 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 it's not like that. He's not just up there worshiping. Verse 48, he saw the disciples. He's watching. He's not just worshiping. He's not just off. He's not just far away. He's not just distant. He's not just removed. I know you can't see him, but he can see you. It says he saw the disciples straining at the oars. He, they were struggling. They were straining, but he was watching. He was watching. And this gives me hope to know that whatever storm I'm in, he can see. He can see me. Um, Mark called it the lake, but we know that this was the Sea of Galilee. So I thought it was cool how they were struggling in the sea, but he could see them the whole time. I was just a cheesy, corny thing I needed to point out. <laughs> All right, so verse 25, let's go back to Matthew's account now. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Jesus what do you want me not to be afraid of? The fact that I thought it was a ghost? Because he shows up, but the storm doesn't stop. Yeah, 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 because we think, uh, here comes God. He's going to come into the situation. The storm will stop. Once God shows up, the storm will stop. But that's not what happened. Jesus comes onto the scene, and the storm is still raging. The storm is still blowing. The wind is still going. The wind is still happening. And, 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 and he says, do not be afraid. But the storm didn't stop. The storm didn't stop. And he came to them, and the storm didn't stop. This is Matthew 14. It really mirrors another storm in Matthew 8. We don't have time to read it. But I do want to tell you about it. That it, 
the disciples were in the boat that Jesus had told them to get into. Very similar situation. Very similar situation. I just want you to know, if, you've, if you're in a storm today, just know you've been through something before. You made it through something before. It might be a different storm, but you've made it to the other side before. And spoiler alert, you're going to make it through this storm too. So they went. In, in Matthew 8, it's a different though. Because Jesus was asleep, in, in, it says in the stern. That's what the Bible says. He was asleep in the stern. He, he was asleep in the, in the bottom of the boat. So this, in Matthew 8, they could just go down and they could, they could just wake Jesus up. They could just say, yo, hey, uh, Jesus, you know, there's a storm out there. We need, you to, we need you to get on it. But this time Jesus wasn't asleep in the bottom of the boat. This time Jesus wasn't there. And so this time they couldn't go to God, God had to come to them. See, the first time, Matthew 8, they went to God, but the second time, God came to them. This is different. Through the law, man tried to get to God. That failed. But grace paved a new way. Now God came to man through Jesus. And so he said to them, don't be afraid. And then Peter, verse 28, replied, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come onto the water. Verse 29, come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. So why did he sink? He was walking on the water. He was defying gravity. He was doing something that normally could never be done. And then all of a sudden he sank. So what happened? Why did Peter sink? Well, let's, let's, let's reread this. When he saw the wind... So, Peter gets out of the boat, looking at Jesus, said, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come. Jesus says, come. So he's looking at Jesus, walking towards Jesus, and all of a sudden, he takes his eyes, he stops watching Jesus, and looks at the wind. He looked at the thing that was opposing him. He was fine when his focus, I'm talking about watch out today, watching out. And, and to focus, if you focus a camera, it means something that's, something that's blurry becomes clear. So when you're looking at one thing, all of this beside me is out of focus. My hands right now are out of focus. I'm just looking at a camera right now. This is out of focus. But the second I turn, now you're out of focus and this is in focus. So I want to ask you, what are you focused on? What are you watching? Peter didn't sink because God stopped loving him. Peter didn't sink because he screwed up. Peter sunk because he watched 
the wind. He looked at the storm and he said, oh, I don't know what he said. What I imagine what Peter would say is not something I can say on this YouTube channel. So he, he stops watching. He stops watching the one who called him and he took his focus off of that. <laughs> and he saw, he saw, he saw. He saw the wind, and that's when he was afraid. But he cried out, Lord, save me. Verse 31, immediately Jesus said, No, nah, I called you to come, and you messed up, so now you're sunk. Sorry. Oh, does the verse on the screen say something else? Verse 31, immediately Jesus reached out his hand and said, no, I can't use you. you. You don't have enough faith. Sorry, I'll find someone else. Or does verse 31 say, immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him? You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? But he still caught him. He still caught him. I got to turn around because he, even though you fell, he still caught you. Even though you messed up, he's right there with you. Even though you sunk, even though you stepped out, even though it didn't go the way you planned, even though it didn't happen the way you wanted it to happen, and even though you made the dumbest decision of your life, he caught you. He was right there. He's saying, look, hey, Peter, I got you. This is why when somebody does something that you don't approve of, don't just look at him and go, ha, idiot, ha, dummy, ha. No, no, no. That's not what Jesus would do. Jesus reached out and said, I know you're not living the way you should be living. I know you're not doing everything you need to be doing. I know that's a mess in your life. I know that's not together in your life. But hey, 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 I've got you. I've got you. I've got you. And he went and climbed into the boat and the wind died down. We might come back to that. We might come back to that. Then those who were afraid in then those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. Now I've got a question for you. Is the boat a good thing or a bad thing? Depends on who you ask. That's what my professor said. It depends on who you ask. Because the boat 10 minutes ago was a bad thing. Because they're in the boat and it's dangerous and it's scary and it's uncertain and Jesus is nowhere to be found and, and it's crazy. And, and what's happening? I thought I was being obedient to God. Now I'm caught in this storm. What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? This boat is a bad thing. The boat is a bad thing. The boat is a bad thing. Well, it depends on who you ask. Because verse 33, if it wasn't for the boat, then those who were in the boat, those who were in the storm worshiped him. So they went from scared out of their mind 
to truly. You are the son. Hey, hey, thank you, God. Hey, hey, you're, you're a miracle worker. If it wasn't for the storm, we wouldn't have verse 33. Is the storm a good thing or a bad thing? It depends on who you ask. And I want to add something to that. It doesn't just depend on who you ask, but it depends on when you ask it. Because is the storm a good thing or a bad thing? Is the boat a good thing or a bad thing? Well, that depends on when you ask. If you ask me, you know, in verse, uh, in verse 24, the, 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 the boat in the storm is a bad thing because I'm being buffeted and beaten and battered by the wind and the wave. And as crazy as the storm, it's a bad thing. It's a bad thing. But it doesn't, you know, it depends on when you ask. Because verse 33 is the boat a good thing or a bad thing? Listen to me. If it wasn't for the storm, there never would have been worship. You know the people who really worship God with just everything they have and they don't care how it looks and they don't care how it sounds and they don't care what you think and they don't care what you say. They're the people that know I need God and I went through a storm and I went through hell and he reached out his hand when I was being dumb and he reached out and he caught me and he pulled me back out of that water. So I'll worship and I don't care what you think. So was the, was the storm a good thing or a bad thing? Well, that depends on who you ask. And that depends on when you ask it. Because if it wasn't for the storm, I wouldn't have known he was watching. While the disciples were in the boat waiting, they're saying, oh, Jesus told us to get in this boat. And, and it was, oh, I forgot to tell you. I forgot to tell you that the ESV translate this translate this verse right here, verse 25. Shortly it was before dawn and Jesus went out to them. The ESV, here, we'll put it out. It, it said, it says, it was the fourth watch of the night. It was the fourth watch. So the first watch was uh, 6 to 9 p.m. Second watch is 9 to 12 a.m. Uh, third watch is 12 to 3 a.m. Fourth watch is, is uh, 3 to 6 a.m. And they were early in the morning, probably exhausted because they didn't get any sleep because, you know, they're in the boat and it's, it's the fourth watch. And they're, so, so, so they're watching, watch out because, because they're watching the storm and they're wondering, am I going to make it? That's what is happening in your life right now. You're, you're watching everything and you're like, am I? Am I going to make it? They're not worshiping. No, no, no. They're wondering. Because there are some times where you're not like, bless the Lord at all times. I will say it again and rejoice and rejoice and praise the Lord. And this is the day the Lord has made. And hallelujah. But there are some times where you're like, I'm just wondering if I'm going to make it today. I'm just wondering if I'm going to do something that doesn't end me up in prison today. I'm just wondering. It's not always worship. Sometimes it's wondering. But it's the wondering that leads to the worship. Was the storm a good thing, a bad thing? Well, it depends on who you ask.
because if it wasn't for the storm, I wouldn't have known that he saw me while I'm straining at the oar, while I'm struggling in the lake, while I'm stressed out, he sees me. He sees me. He sees me. One time Jesus was teaching um, in Luke 15, you can go look it up. We're not gonna go through all of the scripture, but we'll, we'll talk about some of it. He's teaching, it's a very diverse group. It says he was talking to the tax collectors, the sinners and the tax collectors, that's who he was talking to. Um, but then the Pharisees were coming up and kind of like, you know, why do you talk to them? And then so Jesus kind of turned it and started talking to the Pharisees. And he says, it's like this. It's like a man has a hundred sheep and he loses one. What does he do? What Jesus said, he, he looks, he watches for the one. He looks for the one. And then he personalizes it a little more because there's a hundred sheep, but he, he makes it smaller. And then he says, and if, if there's a woman who has 10 coins and she loses one, she searches the house, cleans the house, tears it all apart and looks for it until she finds it. And when she finds it, she invites her neighbors and her friends over and celebrates and throws a feast. And then he personalizes even more. Verse 11, Jesus continued, and there was a man who had, ten, had two sons. So it goes from 100 sheep, 10 coins, two sons. So there was a man who had two sons. And the younger said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So this time, nobody lost anything. The boy left. The son left. <laughs> oh, the younger son said to his father, the younger. So, so there's two sons. The younger one, who in Jewish custom would only get one third of the estate and the other two thirds would go to the older brother. So the, the younger brother got his one third. He said, father, give me my cut. I want my inheritance early. Basically saying, I don't even care if you live or die. Give me my money, come on. And the father did it. And so he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth on wild living. So I want to point out this. He got together all he had. The father still had two thirds. So he didn't get together all the father had. He just got together what he had. And what he had compared to what the father had was nothing. Let's keep going. Verse 14, after he spent everything, because that's what happens eventually, Eventually, you spend everything. Eventually, you can't keep doing it on your own. Eventually, you start to sink. Eventually, no matter how great or spiritual or perfect you are, you take your eyes and you look at the wind a little bit. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. And he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. I wanna ask you a question. 
no one gave him anything. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? No one gave him anything. He's hungry. He wants to eat what the pigs are eating. He's stooping so low. He's gone through so much. And no one will give him anything. Is that a good thing? Well, it depends on who you ask. Because if somebody would have given him something, verse 17 wouldn't say, then he came to his senses. It could read, but somebody gave him a little bit. And so he settled for a little bit instead of going home to his father who had a lot left. A lot of us are living off snacks when our father has a whole meal prepared. And we're just getting full. One little bite. We're just, mm, that'll do for today. But God said, I've got so much more for you than that. Verse 17, though, that's not how it goes. No one gave him anything. He came to his senses and he said, how many of my father's tired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out, go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son, but make me like one of your hired servants. So he's saying, you know, I'm going to go home to my father and I'm going to ask him, can I just be your servant? I, 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 don't, I don't deserve to be your son. I'm not worthy to be your son. So just, will you make me one of your servants. Verse 20, so he got up and went to his father, but while he was still a long way off, the father saw him and was filled with compassion for him and he ran to his son and he threw his arms around him and he kissed him. But while he was still a long way off, a long way off, a long way off, this would have to mean that the whole time the son is out wasting the father is standing there watching. The whole time his son is out doing dumb stuff, wild living, the Bible says. He's out there just wasting away everything the father had given him. Doing dumb stuff just to feel happy for a second. Going to dumb websites just to feel connection for a second. Getting in dumb relationships just to have somebody to text watching dumb shows just to be entertained and forget about your real life. But the whole time the son was off wasting, the father is standing there watching and waiting and watching. He's watching and waiting. The father didn't even have to give him his share of the inheritance, but he did. Maybe he knew, well, if I let you sink on your own, at least I'm here to catch you. So it's better that I let you mess up now. So I'm right here to catch you. Is the boy going off and wild living, a good thing or a bad thing? 
Well, if he never would have done that, he would have really never known. I'm only telling you this because I've done some dumb stuff and I've tried to go drink from the world only to find out that every sip of the world left me more dehydrated. I heard a pastor say this, that sin or the world is like soda. Soda, every sip you take, actually dehydrates you because of whatever is in it, blah, 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 blah. It it, it dehydrates you. So you're drinking something that's making you more thirsty. Oh, I'm about to preach about soda than you were before. You're drinking something, you're watching something, you're spending time with something, spending money on something, and every sip you take is leaving you thirstier than you were when you started. While he went off, but, 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 but the father didn't say, I was watching. You really messed up. Get in the back. I'll make you like one of my hired servants. Because that's what the boy thought was going to happen. But when the son got home, he, he was like, hey, father, I've sinned against heaven and against you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And the father cut him off. He didn't even let him finish. He said, shut up. I don't know if he said that. But, but he said, be quiet, don't say that. B- b- before, because the son had a whole speech prepared. He said, I will sit out and go back to my father and, he, and I will say to him, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. But he only got to them, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And the dad cut him off. The dad cut him off. He said, I don't care what comes next. Hey, hey, but, uh, and the father said, Quick, bring out the robe. Put a ring on his finger. Put, a, put a sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and let's kill it. Let's have a feast. Let's celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and alive again and was lost and now is found. So they began to celebrate. Is him being hungry a good thing or a bad thing? Depends on when you ask. If he was never hungry, he would have never gone home. I'm just letting you know that even though you've been hungry, you can come home. Even though you've messed up, even though you took your eyes off of what God told you to keep your focus on, you can come home. You can come home. And, um, you know, I had my message, I had my message finished, sealed off. It's perfect. It's called watch out. Come home. Don't be hungry. Come home. But God said, no, no, no. One last thing. One last thing. Got to tell you one last thing. Because in Luke 5, verse 1 through 3, one day Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. A. Because I read on the Bible app, and if you click the A, it'll say, this means the Sea 
of Galilee. So let's rush through the story real quick. The people were crowding around him, listening to the word of God. And he saw at the water's edge two boats and left, uh, left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats belonging to Simon. And he asked him to put out a little bit from shore. And then he sat down in the boat. And then the rest of the story goes, you know, he goes out and he teaches. And then he says, Peter, I know you fish all night and didn't catch anything. But now throw your nets into the water. And he reels in a big catch. And he reels in a bunch of fish. And he and they had to fill up both boats so full of fish. All these fish, all these fish, all these fish, all these fish. And the same sea that he called Peter in in Luke 5, they were going to go through a storm in, in Matthew 14. It was the same sea. It was the same sea that he called him on that later his struggle would come out of. So one day Jesus was standing by the sea. This is, the, this is how him and Peter got started. This was how they met, you know. And he saw, verse 2, he saw at the water's edge two boats and there, left there, he saw two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He saw two boats. Watch out. He, he was looking. He was watching. He's like, yo, this big crowd. I got to get out. I got to get into a boat and go out into the water because there's all these people around. And if I sit in the boat and teach, then my voice will echo over the water and I can teach to more people. So that was a common teaching practice of Jesus. So he, he's looking for a boat. He's looking for a boat. But he picked one boat. He saw two, but he picked one. He said, I want that one. I want that boat. I want the boat that Simon's boat because I don't just want the boat I want Simon too Jesus could have picked any boat but he picked Simon's boat he said I want that one here's the whole message he sees you watch out because the the enemy is looking for someone to devour so the devil's watching out so you need to watch out but here's the real good news. Here's the real gospel news is God is watching out and he doesn't just see you, but he picked Peter. He said, I want that one. That's what God is saying to you. I see you in your storm. I see you in your struggle. I see you in your pain, but I want that one. I want the one who has issues. I want the one who's not sure if they're going to make it. I want the one who's strung out. I want the one who's struggling. I want the one who's hurting. I want the one who's fighting. I want that one. That's what Jesus said when he saw Peter's boat. I want that one. I want the one that comes with the guy who's going to deny me three times. I want the one with that one who's going to cuss out a little girl when she asks him if, if he's a Christ follower. I want that one. I want that one who's going to cut off some dude's ear in the garden. And I'm going to be like, potato head, put his ear back on. 
want that one. I want that one who's going to preach at Pentecost. I want that one who's going to write First and Second Peter. And one of the things he's going to write is, let me find the verse. <laughs> Be alert in a sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Looking. But he knew. He knew that even though the enemy was looking, God was looking too. So watch out. Who? Who's watching out? God. That's who. And Jesus looks at the two boats and he's like, I don't just see you, but I pick you. The father didn't just see his son coming in Luke 15, but he says he ran out to God, greet him and threw his arms around him, hugged him, kissed him, said, let's, let's party. He didn't just see you. He picked you. I want that one. Hey, well, thank you so much for hanging out, for spending time with me today. Hey, if this is your first time watching one of our videos, I want to say a special thank you for hanging out and joining us. If you want to learn more about us, you can go to gracemovement.online. Also, feel free to subscribe and to watch some more. Go back and watch some content. Encourage your faith. Um, kind of build that build that part of your life up. Um, you, can, you can go back. We've got months and months of videos you can go back and, and, and check out. Um, also, we, we, love, we love this idea of like you sharing this, of you not just like being someone who listens and then like clicks on and clicks off, but actually like sharing it and, um, and sharing it with somebody because you don't know what they're going through. You can put it on your social media. You can, what else can you do? You can text it to a friend. You can bootleg the video and download it and share it. You know, do whatever you got to do to get the word out. Um, so we appreciate you. We love you so much. Um, like I said, gracemovement.online. And um, there you can learn about us. And also you can partner with us on a financial level. Um, we appreciate those of you that do that. Thank you. Thank you so much. We love you. See you next week.